All right. We are in Exodus chapter uh, 24 again, so Exodus chapter 24. All right. Exodus chapter 24, they're uh, getting ready to enter into the promised land. Last week we saw, if you will, the leadership that God had appointed to take and to bring them into the promised land. And now they're getting ready. What's going to happen if you read the rest of the chapter here? Moses getting ready to go up in the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, get to be face-to-face with God. Before that happens, he has to take and, and do some things. We'll look at that here as we, we go into that. But uh, he's talking about accessing the promises, okay, or, or doing what it takes to go into the promised land, all right? And uh, to do that, he gives us a couple symbols here that helps us to understand, if you will, a few of the promises of God. So anyhow, in a, let's read again, Exodus chapter 24, and look at verse 1. The Bible says, He said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. By the way, that, that mirrors church leadership, but we also need to remember, hopefully we saw that we as Christians have these same leadership roles. Some of us are prophets to people telling the word of God. Some of us are intercessors as priests praying for the people of God or pray, going between God and, and a, a lost person or even a saved person. And then the, the leadership, or the 70, were the ministers of God, okay? Uh, just the different ministries that they were getting. And so, like I said, it did parallel the offices of the church, but it also parallels our opportunities as believers. We should never think, if you will, uh, you guys ever heard the term clergy and laity? You guys ever heard that? So what is clergy? Let me know. Yeah, clergy essentially means ministers, okay? That's essentially what the word means. So, so would I be clergy? So would that, that make you laity? <laughs> now, you know I'm setting you up. <laughs> because the word laity means ignorant. And please take this the right way. In a sense, laity means you don't know anything. So in a sense, you can't help yourself. You can't help other people. Can I tell you, clergy and laity are terrible terms, they're awful terms. You don't have the professional ministry and all the ignorant people out there. Can I just tell you this? We all are a kingdom of priests. We all have opportunities to minister the word. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You all understand? And so it's very important for us to understand that the church might want, if you will, us and them. But God never intended it that way. God wants us, if you will, to take and accept our roles and realize the important place that we have in people's lives. And, uh, and so, if you will, I, uh, that's a hobby horse. I just had to write it for a second here, if you will. Uh, the Bible says in verse 2, then, it says, And Moses alone uh, shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Now, that's an important verse in the sense that here in a second, he's going to say all of them came up before the Lord, and they saw the Lord, Okay. Well, you need to keep that in the context because you remember that even Moses said, Lord, let me see your face. And God said, you can't see my face. No man has seen any, a God at any time and lived. Why? God is holy. He cannot have sin in his presence. Sin is driven from his presence. If we were to see God in his full glory, we would die in our, in our flesh, in, in our sinful flesh, if you will. And so, if you will, he's talking about coming in, and coming as close and as intimate as Moses could come. But please remember this also, the law can only take you so far into the presence of God. 
Okay? But again, verse 3, the Bible says, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And by the way, they said that at least four times. At least four times. All that the Lord has said we will do. All, he says it twice in this chapter. All that the Lord has said, we will do. They said it again, I believe, in chapter 16. All that the Lord has said, we will do. Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Well, we might see something about that here today, okay? Uh, the Bible says in verse 4, it says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill. By the way, what, what, if he wrote all the words of the Lord, what did he write? It's kind of a silly question, but what did he write? Okay, very good. Everything God told him to write, very good. Okay, no less, no more, all right? But think about what do, what do we know that he wrote? Ten Commandments, okay. But part of the Ten Commandments, remember, we've already looked how to administer the different commandments, okay? Here's the commandment, and, and in a sense, he says, keep these things so that you can stay in the land, okay? And if you will, it's an agreement, or it's an accord, or it's what we call a covenant, Literally what he's writing down is, it's in a sense, it's a contract between two people. That's essentially what he has written here, okay? A contract between a holy God and between the people. And they've read the contract just like we all read all the contracts that we get put in front of us too, right? <laughs> My daughter-in-law is the only person I know that reads everything that's put in front of her and says she's wise to do that, amen? Uh, maybe, do you do it too? Yeah, very good. I, yeah, I figured you might too. But, but that's not criticism. <laughs> so, I, I, I read so poorly that it's hard to read some of those documents. By the way, have you ever noticed that some of those documents are like in micro print? And, you know, it's like, you know, for those of you who don't know what this is, that's a magnifying glass. <laughs> and, uh, and it's hard to read all those contracts. And so to be quite honest with you, many of us, you guys bought a house? You need to sign this. Okay, read it and sign it. Okay, read it and sign it. Read it and sign it. Read it and sign it. Well, I will tell you this. I sped read some of those. Okay? My whole point is this. You know, ultimately, that might cost you. Because when you say all that you have commanded, we will do, could you realize that maybe they should have read some of those and said, you know what, we're going to have trouble keeping some of those. Anybody know the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not... Covet. Anybody here got victory over wanting anything? <laughs> oh, good. I don't want anything. Good. You're the perfect human being. Amen. But folks, honestly, the 10th commandment out of all of them, there's no way I could keep that. How can, how can you go one day? You ever walked by somebody's house and said, boy, I like that house. Be careful. <laughs> Boy, I'd like a car like that. Oh, watch out. Okay. My, it, listen, it's just nearly impossible for us to go a moment without seeing something that maybe somebody else owns that we would desire to have. Okay. And God says, if you're going to be right with me, don't even want something that doesn't belong to you. Now, I got about you. I don't know about you, but when God lists those commandments, I might want to read them and say, well, I might not have to kill anybody. Okay. But... Uh, Boy, not wanting anything. That one's going to be tough to keep. Okay? All that thou hast written, we will do. It can be very foolish to take and to do that. 
The Bible says uh, further in verse 4, and this is an important verse, the Bible says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and builded an altar under the hill, and twelve uh, pillars. By the way, I believe that hill is the mountain of God, okay, if you will. And uh, built an altar under the hill, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings, and sacrificed peace offerings, and oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant, that's what he just wrote, see? The book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. See, they, they said it again. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. They just made a covenant. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and to read your word. Father, open our understanding. Give us guidance by your Holy Spirit, who alone helps us to know. And Father, be with those who are apart from us today. Lord, many uh, are out today for sickness and, and for other issues. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you administer to them. Encourage them, strengthen them, heal them. And Father, we do thank you for those wonderful things that we get when we get to be Christians. One thing, casting our cares, knowing that you are the great physician, and Lord, that you can heal. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness now. In Jesus' name, amen. And so notice a couple of things about accessing the promises. The first thing that we see is in verse 4. I said it was an important verse. And it's not just because of the words that were written down, but notice what it says. It says, he built an altar under the hill and then 12 pillars, okay? Now, I have uh, mentioned a, a book about the mountain of God. And, uh, and, and the guys who snuck in there, I believe it was around 1985 when they did it, they snuck into Saudi Arabia because that's where they believe that in the, in the Sinai area there is where, that, uh, uh, where the, the mountain of God was, okay? And they actually went to the top of it, and they found, if you will, the top of it was black. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but if you take and you heat granite, it turns black, okay? And so it's a granite mountain, and uh, it was superheated at one time, and it turned the, the granite black up there. Uh, does the Bible say that God descended as fire? Amen. He also found a great rock that had been split. I mean, he took a picture of it, and then below it, you could tell just floods of water had run from it, okay? But one of the other things that they saw was these 12 pillars, okay? And basically what they were is they were, as if I remember right, they were kind of like round stones that they had taken and set up. And so there's 12 of them. What's that tell us immediately? It represents the 12 tribes, okay? And what pillar means, it means mini altar or a small altar, okay? And so if you will, they had one small altar for all 12 tribes, and then they had one big altar for the nation, if you will, okay? And then uh, the Bible says in this passage of Scripture that he sent young men out to take and to, to, to make the sacrifices. And so they took the animals, they made the sacrifices. Now, what is the most important or one of the most important uh, things about the sacrifice? What do you do immediately upon sacrificing the animal? You collect the blood in a basin, okay? And so what they do is they would take and they would cut the throat and they would uh, empty the blood, okay, as, therefore representing the life, okay, uh, taking the life of the animal, right? The innocent dying for the guilty. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture that started in the Garden of Eden. Amen. And, uh, and so they would collect all that blood. And he said that they took half of the blood, and if they will, they applied it to the altar, all right, to sanctify it, to cover it in the blood, okay? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. 
And so, if you will, it's a, it's a picture of Jesus Christ shedding his blood for us, okay? And it, it covers our sins, and that's what makes us approachable unto God, okay? We'll look at this further here in just a second. But the thing was interesting is, if you will, Moses made the one sacrifice for the whole nation, but then the young men went and made the sacrifices for each tribe, okay? And then he took the blood, the Bible says, put it in a basin, and then he sprinkled it. i got to be honest with you, I don't know what sprinkled means, all right? But uh, the picture is they, they would make a brush out of hyssop, you've heard about that, and they would take and they would dip it, and so I'm assuming that he, he goes like this, okay, and some type of ceremonial thing. Um, and the Bible says that he put the blood on all the people. Now, I'm not trying to be clever here, but how many of y'all think he honestly put the blood on three million people? And so, if you will, there's a certain aspect that we need to read this word of God in the figure of speech in the way that is intended. Still literally interpreted, okay? But what he's saying is, is he took and he covered the altar, okay? And then, if you will, he... Covered the people all the but so most people believe this that when he covered the altar he also covered the pillars, okay he covered all the pillars them representing all the people, okay, and so if you will I'll show you that here in just a moment, and 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 so as a matter of fact if you want to see that notice what the Bible says in verse uh, chapter nineteen verse twenty two Exodus nineteen and verse twenty two, okay, the Bible says it this way. It says, and let the priests also, which come near unto the Lord, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. So if you will, Moses was commanding the younger priests, the younger men, that's who they were. I believe they were the priests who were taking and applying this. And then, like I said, half for the altar and then half for the people. That's what the Bible says in verse 8. Now, if they apply the blood, if you will, they are agreeing to the covenant. All right? How do we, how do we agree to a contract? We sign it, right? And so, if you will, by them accepting the blood, then they are accepting the contract or the covenant, okay? As a matter of fact, one of the expressions for making a covenant is called to cut a covenant. How many of y'all are familiar with Genesis chapter 15? You remember when God took and he made the covenant with, uh, with um, Abraham? What a, one of the things he did, he took, he took an oxen, and the Bible says he divided it in half, okay? Now, my understanding is this, is that they would do that like on a ravine, okay, type of a V. And when he cut the animal, you know, this is kind of silly to say, but the blood would run. And then he did a lamb, and then he did a bird, and I'm trying to remember if he did a goat too, I can't remember, we'll look there here in a second. But if you will, he took and they divided this. And if you will, what it does is it produces a river of blood. Okay? And what would happen when two people made a, co a covenant, in a sense, they would take and they would come together and they would walk down this river of blood. Okay? Meaning, think about it, it would be on their feet, it would be on their hands. And so, if you will, they cut a covenant and the blood, it's, it's, I don't know any other way to say it, but it's a blood oath. Meaning this, I'm going to keep my side, you keep your side. Okay, you all understand that? Now, there was something unique about, if you will, the covenant. We'll look at that here in a second. But uh, we're still looking at the pillars. I, uh, but we'll get to uh, Genesis 15 here in a second. Go to Hebrews chapter 9 is what I want you to see, though, at this point. Okay? 
Because in Hebrews chapter 9, I want you to see verse 19. Hebrews chapter 9. And look at verse 19. The Bible says, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, by the way, did he do that? In our text, did he do that? Bible said he read the covenant before all the people, right? He read what he wrote. So that's what he did right there. The Bible says he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and, see the Bible says, all the people. Now, honestly, that has to be metaphorical. There's just no way he, you know, if there is three million people, there is no way he took and uh, did that. Now, he might have given it to the priest and maybe they delegated it. Who knows? Okay, so, but the Bible does say that they were all, if you will, covered, if you will, in that blood. Now, this is, in a sense, a similar picture to our Lord's Supper. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11. Now, it's not the same thing, but I'm, I'm just trying to make a, a comparison here. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, look at verse 25. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus, this is, of course, the, the, the Lord's Supper here. It says, After the same manner also he took the cup... When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament. By the way, anybody know what New Testament means if you put it in Old Testament words? This is a new covenant, okay? And by the way, that was a promise that God made to the nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, okay? Why? Because you couldn't keep the first covenant, okay? So I'm going to make a new covenant with you, a new testament with you, uh, because you couldn't keep the first one, Okay? And uh, so that was a wonderful promise of grace that God gave them. Uh, continue there. The Bible says, uh, um, it says, uh, it says, this cup is New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft ye drink of it in what? Remembrance of me. And so he's very clearly here saying that you need to drink my blood. Okay? There they needed to receive the blood. Okay? Well, in a sense, how do we drink the blood or receive the blood of Jesus Christ? It's certainly not figuratively. Excuse me, it's certainly not literally. Because we can't drink his blood. Remember they asked the question, how can this man give us his blood to drink? Okay, did he not? All right, and so they said that. And so uh, they, they asked that question. Well, God represents, if you will, our association with the uh, sacrifice. Blood, excuse me, represents our association with the sacrifice. Matter of fact, Jesus taught that to the point that the people's minds just kind of went, what? In John chapter 6. Would you go there, please? In John chapter 6. Look at verse 52. where we're going. John chapter 6, verse 52. And the Bible says, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now, can I tell you, God sometimes gives us these to help us to understand what he means when he's speaking. Because a minute ago it said he covered all the people, okay? Well, what he's meaning is this, is when we applied the blood, all the people were covered, okay? When we applied the blood, all the people were covered, okay? 
And so Jesus says this, my flesh is meat indeed. What's he talking about? Folks, John chapter 6 is the bread that came down from heaven. He says, I am the bread that came down to heaven. They said, show us a sign. Our father in heaven gave us manna to eat in the wilderness. That would be a good sign. And he says, I am the bread from heaven. And my flesh is meat indeed. Bread. That's what meat is, okay? Uh, And so, by the way, does everybody get that? The meat offering was not a animal offering. It was a bread offering. It was a grain offering. Okay, just so that you see that. Okay. And so when the Bible says this, he says, and drink ye his blood. The Bible says you have no life in you. Meaning this, you can drink my blood too. Wow. Folks, when we take the Lord's Supper and we eat that little unleavened cracker. Okay. And I'm an independent fundamental Baptist literalist. And so I make our Lord's communion bread, and it is water and flour and delicious. Amen? (laughs) It's water and flour. Why? Because it's just the whole idea is you're eating bread, not leavened bread. I have literally been served in churches bread with pores in it. Well, folks, to have pores in it has to have leavening. And please take this the right way. There is no leavening in our Savior. There is no sin in our Savior, okay? Because leaven is a, is a type of sin, okay? And so if you will, uh, we eat that. Now, what do we do when we partake of that? This do in remembrance. What are you remembering? Sacrifice how? I'm hearing something. Yes, and, and I'm, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to take it farther than that. You're correct. Okay, but please take this the right way. How many of y'all think about it in this capacity? He died for me. He died for me. Okay? And when you take the, the, the grape juice, fruit of the vine, whatever you want to call it, fruit of the cup, you're drinking his blood. Okay? Is that what he says? Because... When he did the Lord's table, he was talking about, this is my flesh, indeed. And this is my blood, which is drink, indeed. Okay. But he's not saying, listen, I'm, I'm only being ridiculous to make a point. He didn't cut a piece of his flesh off and give it to them. He was not trying to be literal. He was trying to say, when you eat the bread, think of my sacrifice for you. And when you drink the blood, think of my shedding my blood for you. And think about this. What is the consequence of that? Well, knowing these things, what manner of man ought you to be? Meaning what? If he was willing to die for me, if he was willing to shed his blood, what manner of man ought I to be? You realize that one of the purposes for the Lord's Supper is to make sure that the Spirit is right in His body, and and that we're in a. You're also you're always facing that constant judgment day. Oh, the Lord's Supper is coming, and and let's be honest, people will go out of their way to get right to take the Lord's Supper. Why? Because you don't want to eat and drink unconfessed sin and condemn yourself. Truth, Amen. And so God is saying, I'm forcing you to do this, not for me. I want you to do this for you. Don't you ever forget what it costs for us to have this relationship. 
Amen. And if you will, that's what he's doing with the blood of the bulls and the goats and, and then why it's applied and why it has to be sprinkled and why you have to be covered. He says, I don't want you to ever forget you didn't get to the promised land because you're better than every other nation. Okay? Matter of fact, you were an insignificant people at one time. Okay? Uh, you are coming into this relationship because of the grace of God. Amen. That's important for us to remember as we look at this. And so go, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. Because what it teaches us here is it's not even the action that is important. Was it absolutely necessary for a person to take Passover on Passover? I ask that question on purpose because the answer is no. If you're unclean, you can't partake of the Passover meal. And so God said one month later, if you were unclean on that day, make sure you're unclean that day so that you could partake. He didn't let people out of it. He said if you're unclean on the day of Passover, one month later you can take it again. Okay? Meaning what? I don't want you to ever forget what I had to do. Okay? So if you will... In Hebrews chapter 10, notice what it teaches here. Uh, I get myself there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 is where we're going. And the Bible says this it says, uh, It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and an offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Uh, at the end of this, it's gonna, uh, he's going to tell us, or another place is going to tell us, that the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. Okay? And so if you will, that's in the context of this verse where he's saying this. He said, you could have offered bulls and goats, but you wouldn't do that. So here's what you did do. You provided me with a body. Okay? Or, or, or the Savior with a body. Okay, and so if you will, Jesus Christ, if you will, is 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 a Jew. He's a he's a he's a child of Israel. And so uh, keep reading, verse six. The Bible says this. It says, "In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. You didn't want to do that. You see." He says, "Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God." Now that's talking about Christ. That's talking about the Messiah. He says, above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Folks, this is God talking back. This is, this is Christ. He says, I'll go do it. I'll do your will because the children of Israel won't. Now, wait a minute. I just told you, they've already said it four times. Whatever you have written, we will do. And God said, you said you'd do it, and then you didn't have any pleasure in it. And you said, I will not do it. Okay? So God said, well, that's why you gave me a body. And that's why I had to come to be the sacrifice. That's the significance of these verses we're reading here. Okay? And the Bible says in verse 9, it says, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the, what's, what's how I say? The first what? Covenant that he may establish the second, or the new covenant, amen, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Say it with me, because these are some of the best words in the Bible. Once for all, amen. Great words, great words, amen. 
And so, if you will, that, that is the altar of sacrifice. And ultimately, they had to have faith that that blood that was covering the altar covered them. Okay? If they didn't have faith, did it cover them? No. For by grace are you saved through... How long has that been true? Forever. Okay? For by grace are you saved through faith. And as long as they went through the ceremonies and had the faith that they were covered by the blood. Okay? If you will, it applied to them. All right? And so those are the altars. Uh, we also saw the covenant. Okay? And we saw the covenant with Abraham. I've already talked about that a little bit. But here's what I want you to see. Okay? Uh, the covenant was in verse 4. Of, of, go to Genesis chapter 15 because that's where we're going. Thank you, brother. Um, in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 15, let's go there, okay? And in verse 4, what was the covenant? That you would inherit the land, okay? Uh, the Bible tells us that in verse 7, all right? That they would inherit the land of promise. His problem was he didn't have anybody to inherit it. He said, your children from your own body are going to inherit it, Amen. And then uh, the Bible says that he was to cut a covenant. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And so, if you will, he took those five animals, and he cleaved them in half, and if you will, that blood. Now, please take this the right way. The way it should have happened, okay, is uh, then Abraham and God somehow, maybe an angel, Okay, the Bible says there was a, a lamp. Okay, that was a picture of, of God, if you will. And they should have taken and walked down that, that bloody trail. But what's the Bible say? I believe it's in verse 12. The Bible says that he caused a sleep or a deep sleep to come upon Abraham. Meaning what? Could he have possibly walked that? He did not. What did walk that? That lamp. God did. And so, if you will... When it comes to that covenant promise with, with Abraham, God says, I will, I will, I will. You have nothing to do with it. This is an unconditional promise to you. Please take this the right way. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Not because of anything you did, but because of what God did. Y'all see it? But see, when he made his covenant with Moses, he said, write it down. Cut the animals. Okay? And now make your pledge. All that thou hast said, we will do. If you do it, then I'll do it. Okay? Well, the only problem is this. is uh, The problem is, is uh, they didn't do it. Matter of fact, they didn't do it for one day. I mean, Jesus, uh, Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, so technically they did it for 40 days. But if you read the account, they were misbehaving the whole 40 days. <laughs> Okay, so the whole point is this, is, is uh, for 40 days, uh, and, and then 3,000 of them died by a whole bunch of people that said, everything you said, we will do. And they couldn't get the first set of tablets down from the mountain before they had already violated. Come on now, amen? God is saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. Can I tell you what the application is to me for that? Is there's a difference between relationship Unconditional. Unconditional. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, 
Now have we become the sons of God, right? We have the power to become the sons of God, right? And so if you will, at conversion, salvation, unconditional, can't lose it. Praise God. But fellowship you can lose. How do we stay in fellowship? Well, we do what we're commanded. Amen? And God said, well, you didn't have pleasure in that. There is pleasure in sin for a... And sometimes we say, I'd like to have a little sin pleasure. Amen? You know what God does? He says this. He says, well, when you do that, I'm going to put a, a ceiling of brass above you and me. <laughs> Meaning you're going to pray and I'm not going to hear. By the way, by choice. Okay? By the way, how many of y'all think God has lost his hearing? He's basically saying this. You can pray all you want, but when you're being disobedient, I'm not going to listen. Amen? What, what do you all feel whenever, uh, do you feel that peace and that comfort and that confidence? and that? Do you feel all that when you're not walking right? No. Why? Because there is a conditional aspect to our relationship, and there is an unconditional aspect to our relationship, and it's seen in these two covenants. Salvation, praise God, is full and free, and Jesus paid for it. Amen. And once you receive it, you cannot lose it. We'll talk about that this morning in the Sunday message. Amen? Praise God for that. But I, you can lose your peace. You can lose your joy. You can lose your confidence. You can lose your comfort. You can, come on now. Amen? Why? Simply because we have no pleasure in living right and doing right. Can I ask you a question? He talked about one of the gifts that God gives us is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says that if you have no conviction, then you're none of his. Amen. We ought to be thankful when God convicts us. And can I say this? Even when you're walking right and doing right, you think? How many of y'all think God wants us to do better? He always does, because we're never meeting up. Amen. And so that conviction is just that little nudge to walk a little closer and to walk a little closer. Amen? It is a gift. It's a wonderful thing. All right. Well, we're almost out of time. Let me, let me see here. By the way, Joshua is the one that fulfilled this covenant. I would encourage you, just real quick, go to Joshua 24. You guys know Joshua 24 because of, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you need to read the context of that passage of Scripture because you know what he did in chapter 24? He reread the covenant. He reread the covenant. And he said, uh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Y'all with me? Look what he says in verse, uh, in verse uh, 12. In verse 12, he says this. All right. Ah, in my pocket. Sorry. In verse 12, the Bible says, And I sent the hornet before you, which stray them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword or, nor with thy bow, meaning essentially this, I gave you the promised land. That's what he's saying. Amen? By the way, that's a fulfillment of the promise of what we looked at last week. And he says, I've given you that land. Amen? All right? But the, uh, look down now at uh, verse 19. Look what he says. And Joshua said unto the people, say it with me, Ye cannot serve the Lord. Are you catching that? He read them the covenant. 
He already has the history of them not being able to keep the covenant. And he looks at him and he says, you cannot keep this covenant. You won't do it. And when, when you stop keeping the covenant, you're going to lose all the promises of the covenant. Okay? And what was this big issue? If you read it, I, I'm out of time. Can I encourage you to go back and read Joshua 24 with a fresh set of eyes? Because he basically says this. He says, here's the commandments. He says, you can't keep it. But then he says, he says this. He says, choose you this day. Whom? He reinforces a number of times in that passage of scripture. He says, you cannot have any other gods before me. If you go to the gods of this land, I will destroy you. Why? Because folks, even in the time of the law, it was about personal relationship. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Amen? Whether the gods or the other side of, right? But as for me and my house, we, I, can I change it just a little bit? Choose the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We choose the Lord. Why? Because he's the one I'm in a relationship with. By the way, Joshua brought him into the promised land. Joshua is a picture of Jesus Christ. Only God can bring us into that promised land and that blessed relationship. I encourage you, go and read Joshua 24 for yourself. It'll be a blessing to you. And we're done.